0: Yevgeny Prigozhin, the head of the Wagner Group, is reportedly killed in a plane crash.
1: Writers use satellite and street view images to confirm the clip's location, but could not immediately confirm that Prigozhin was physically on board the aircraft.
0: Plus, the 2024 presidential campaign season is underway in the U.S. and the Republicans held their first debate. What's the party's view on Ukraine?
2: The assistance uh, should not be given uh, at all. He said that the the southern border border crisis is is much more important for the United States, for Americans.
0: And later in the program, it's the Independence Day holiday in Ukraine, and Kyiv will soon receive even more F-16s. Today is Thursday, August 24th. From the Voice of America, this is Flashpoint Ukraine. Good evening, I'm Steve Karish in Washington. We'll hear what the Republican presidential candidates had to say about Ukraine a little later in the show. We begin today with a story that broke late yesterday, just as this program was completing production. Evgeny Prigozhin, the head of the Wagner Group, a private mercenary company in Russia and leader of a brief rebellion against the Russian military establishment, has been killed in a plane crash, this according to Russian authorities. Reuters' Angela Johnston has more.
1: Russian authorities say mercenary chief Yevgeny Prigozhin was listed as a passenger in a fatal plane crash, about two months after the mutiny he led that brought the country into a crisis. This unverified video from a Russian news outlet is said to show the moment of the crash. Reuters used satellite and Street View images to confirm the clip's location but could not immediately confirm that Prigozhin was physically on board the aircraft. According to Russian authorities, the crash happened Wednesday evening north of Moscow, leaving no survivors. Ten people were on board the plane heading from Moscow to St. Petersburg, three of them crew members. State media is reporting that eight bodies were initially found at the crash site, with search and rescue operations underway. Data from online tracker FlightRadar24.com shows a plane heading northwest and then shortly after 6 p.m. suddenly disappearing. Prigozhin soared in prominence after Russia's invasion of Ukraine last year. The 62-year-old fighters led the assault on the city of Bakhmut in the longest and bloodiest battle of the war. In June, he spearheaded a mutiny against Russia's top army brass. President Vladimir Putin said that move could have tipped the country into civil war. He was supposed to move to neighboring Belarus under an apparent deal to end the mutiny u s President Joe Biden said he wasn 't surprised to hear the news. There
3: is not much that happens in russia. Not behind i don 't know enough to know the answer.
1: there was no immediate comment from russia 's defense ministry or the Kremlin
0: that 's Angela Johnston of Reuters reporting. Official Russian announcements aside, there is some doubt about the fate of Purgosian. Shelley Adler has this story. According to
2: Russia's Civil Aviation Agency, mercenary leader Yevgeny Prigozhin was aboard a plane that crashed north of Moscow, killing all 10 people on board. But Russian expert Keir Giles says we may never know if the founder of the Wagner private military company is gone.
0: It really depends whether this is actually the Wagner boss or somebody traveling under the name of Yevgeny Prigozhin, because we know that Prigozhin used aliases, or rather people who assumed his name in order to travel as part of his security measures.
2: Prigozhin led a brief armed rebellion against the Russian military earlier this year.
0: Let's not be completely surprised at It's absolutely 100% confirmed if Yevgeny Prigozhin, the real Wagner boss, doesn't actually pop up somewhere else. I'm Shelly Adler. The reported death of Yevgeny Prigozhin raises many questions and offers very few answers. What we know for sure is that a plane crashed in Russia on Wednesday and that Russian authorities say that Yevgeny Prigozhin was on it and that he was killed. For context on all this, I'm joined by Roman Mamanov of VOA's Russian service. News came out on Wednesday that there was a plane crash. Apparently, Yevgeny Prigozhin was in the plane, according to Russian authorities. Um, First question is, how do we know if this is true or not? Is he dead?
3: Uh... Maybe. (laughs) Look, I honestly was dumbfounded and just like a speechless. I was on air yesterday when we got this news. And, um, you know, I have, I guess all of us, we have so many questions here. Like starting from what has happened. Uh, There are still many versions and nobody really understands. Was it some kind of like diversion? Uh, Was it terrorist attacked or... As a possible version, as a technical technicalities, was it like anti-aircraft system? The most obvious version, of course, that this is some kind of revenge from Putin for um, mutiny.
0: So an assassination.
3: Yes. Uh, but there are several people saying like, first, it's too obvious, right? And usually, look, he's from secret services. Usually they do use some kind of like different, not that obvious... Um, actions or methods. Also, there is possibility that this is, uh, look, that might be a success for Ukrainian special services because he's the symbol of Russian aggression, but there is no uh, proof for that type of version.
0: Well, and Zelensky has denied involvement.
3: Yeah. Um, you have to remember, Ukrainian authorities denied involvement in any action on Russian earth, uh, on Russian land, and it's going to be huge success if that's true. But this is, again, it's one of the many version. Mean, of course, is that this is some kind of signal to establishment. This is the perfect, like, this is obvious sign from Putin, do not try me. Um, what do we do now? This is a private jet that was owned uh, by one of the companies connected to Prigozhin. It was constantly used by Prigozhin for flying from Moscow to St. Petersburg and back and around the country. So there's also uh, news from different sources that in the last several days, Prigozhin's people will try to connect to former uh, people working for his media, uh companies trying to giving them sense that he wants to come back to news field to news agenda uh, which is we do not know if it's true or not um so they just started several minutes after they took off something happened and it was something really like some kind of explosion because pilots didn't have chance to report Mayday. One of the versions that there were bomb that was either in a wine crate that was delivered to the aircraft, or there's other um, version that there was some kind of like bomb that was installed either in a a landing gear section or in a technical section in the back uh, of the aircraft. And that's why we saw this video with a fully intact aircraft actually, like, falling without one wing and the tail, but the fuselage was pretty much intake. Uh, So I'm not the technical specialist here, so I cannot uh, comment on that, but um, one thing that people discussed already is that possibly this is, like, mistake of anti-aircraft systems or, like, how you call this, the units, anti-craft units that, like, uh, protect Moscow. And they can say, like, oh, you mm-hmm. know, we were there on the high alert because of all these drones uh, attacking Moscow in the last several weeks. So we thought it was target. That happened in the past in different countries. So one theory could be that the plane was shot down, but
0: accidentally.
3: Yes, but against this version, there is several things. First, uh, the first picture is the high-quality pictures from the premise shows that there is no signature signs like the, from shrapnel Schra- on a fuselage. And that's how you will tell that it was the like, result of some kind of rocket uh, explosion. Um, next one, of course, is uh, that it was some kind of um, intentional act, bomb, Uh, this is what most discussed right now. Uh, we don't have any uh, at this stage, it's only speculations. And you know what? I'm really kind of confused here. Yesterday, the Russian aviation authorities was super quick to recognize that that was Pregozhin's aircraft that he was on manifest 24 hours later. There's nothing from officials, confirming that he really was on board and he was recognized. I mean, his body was identified.
0: Almost as if it was
3: prearranged. And that's where we are stepping on some conspiracy theories. You know, there is one version that's like being discussed on Russian, uh, telegram channels and among Russian journalists and uh, Putin critics that, that might be some kind of cover operation for Prigozhin to disappear. Look, you know, the aircraft just exploded they're They crashed. So, uh, RIP
0: Mr. So, Purgosian. So one theory could be that Prigozhin faked his own death. Other theories are that Prigozhin is in fact dead, but now the question is, how did he die? Was it intentional or not? And exactly. if, if it was intentional who did it
3: absolutely so that's i would say this is the two main uh, tracks right now um and the only thing i can i mean and i can only guess here but i don't want to speculate and i think we only can wait well, I,
0: I look forward to talking to you again in the future with answers to these questions and more. Roman Mamanov of VOA's Russian Service, thanks for your time. Thanks for your reporting today. Thank you for having me. You're listening to VOA's Flashpoint Ukraine. I'm Steve Karish, a developing story out of our UN Bureau in New York. The U.S.-U.N. Ambassador Linda Thomas-Greenfield said at a Security Council meeting on Ukraine that Washington is imposing some new sanctions on Russian entities and individuals involved in the forcible transfer of Ukrainian children to camps. She also said the U.S. will be taking steps to impose visa restrictions on three Russia-installed authorities involved in human rights abuses among minors. (laughs) It's Independence Day in Ukraine, and Kyiv gets news that it will be receiving more F-16 fighter jets. Plus, Ukrainian forces are on the move in Crimea. We're joined by Anna Chernikova for the latest.
4: Yeah, well, this is the second Independence Day uh, that Ukraine is marking um, with full-scale invasion, which, which is ongoing. Uh, but of course, it's very different from last year uh, because, uh, as we can um, well, as we can understand people's perception, you know, and uh, emotional state uh, is different uh, people are kind of get, getting you more and more used to the situation to all this you know uh, to, to this full scale war unfortunately to say uh, so uh, I can, I can uh, say that um, there are no, not much going on of course uh, because due to security reasons and just as we are talking the air raid alarm is on uh, and um, people definitely do not want to risk too much And there are a lot of uh, people who actually stress out a bit because uh, there is a belief within the society that Russia could probably prepare a a big shelling on this day. So people are kind of, you know, um, trying to be on the safe side.
0: I understand Kiev had some visitors today and one of them came with some gifts that Ukraine had been asking for. Can you tell us more about that?
4: Uh, actually, it's it's a great way to put it uh, in terms of present for Ukraine. Uh, there were a couple of top officials from international uh, ally, uh, allies pool uh, within Ukraine today, actually in this past couple of days. Mm, And this included President of Lithuania and uh, Prime Minister of Norway, as well as President of Portugal and top officials from Bosnia and Herzegovina. So um, as we now know, it was already confirmed and announced that Norway will join in and uh, also supply Ukraine with F-16 jets. For the moment, uh, we don't have details on the amount of jets and uh, on the timeline of these supplies, but it's definitely great. Great news for ukraine and also we have some news from portugal that portugal will actually join in uh, with the training of ukrainian pilots uh, to use f-16s
0: now celebrations in kiev for independence day politics in kiev also uh, from these international gifts there's still a war going on uh, particularly um, in crimea what's happening there
4: Mm, yeah, well, today Ukraine woke up with the news that uh, in Ukrainian intelligence service, uh, together with uh, Navy, Ukrainian Navy, uh, conducted uh, a secret operation in Crimea. Uh, in short, uh, and this is what we know for the moment, because, of course, uh, no one gave any additional details. But what we know at this point that Ukrainian intelligence and Navy forces uh, had uh, had landing of troops uh, in one part of Crimea. And uh, it was a battle going on, according to, uh, to what people are telling uh, from inside of Crimea. And also, this information is uh, kind of coming from different uh, media sources, uh, uh, I mean, uh, Crimean media sources uh, and, uh, uh, and also intelligence.
0: Anna, do we know how many Ukrainian troops were involved and where on the Crimean peninsula this was happening?
4: Uh, We don't have information uh, regarding the number of uh, Ukrainian servicemen involved. And uh, uh, we just know that, uh, well, at least this is information that comes from the intelligence service, that um, Ukraine uh, did not have anyone killed in this operation uh, from those involved uh, in it. And in terms of uh, the location, if we look uh, at the map, Basically, the, the very east point of Crimea, and there are two settlements that we're talking about, uh, which are Olenivka and Mayak. This is the side of uh, of the sea coast uh, that uh, w- which looks to- towards Odessa and Kherson. If if we if we just uh, you know have this general uh, picture of the map,
0: and we'll leave it there for today. Anna Chernakova in Kiev. Anna, as always, thank you for your time today.
4: Thank you, Steve.
0: Milwaukee, Wisconsin hosted the first debate of the 2024 presidential campaign on Wednesday in the United States. One issue dividing the candidates was support for Ukraine. VOA's Rafael Sakov was there.
2: Yes, Steve. Hi. So, first of all, uh, it was Vivek Ramaswamy, uh, and uh, he, for example, said that uh, the assistance uh, should not be given uh, at all. He said that uh, uh, the southern border, border crisis is, is much more important for the United States, for Americans, and he said that uh, uh, we have to send uh, uh, troops there. Uh, Instead of sending uh, military aid and assistance uh, to Ukraine, Uh, he also said that uh, uh, we are sending Russia uh, in the arms of China and Russia and China is the most dangerous uh, alliance, uh, as he thinks. Uh, So mostly that uh, was his position, which, of course, uh, sparked uh, such... Uh, reaction from uh, the likes of uh, Vice President Pence and uh, uh, former governor uh, Chris Christie, who both have been to Ukraine, visited Ukraine since uh, the Russia's uh, full-scale aggression. Um, and uh, of course, they said that, uh, for example, um, Vice President Pence uh, said that uh, Ramaswamy doesn't understand how leadership works, that you can do both things. And that was uh, one of these uh, uh, bright moments of the debate because uh, uh, of this discussion. And Nikki Haley, for example, said uh, to Ramaswamy that it shows that he has no experience in foreign policy. Uh, and uh, But there was also Ron DeSantis, governor of Florida, uh, who uh, said that uh, first, he didn't say that no assistance at all, but uh, this time he said, that assistance should be contingent, uh, contingent. And uh, we have heard uh, from him earlier that he did not think that uh, Ukraine is uh, a priority issue for the United States. Uh, one of the, and then he had uh, many explanations
0: on that. Let me ask: uh, DeSantis said that aid to Ukraine should be contingent. Uh, contingent on what?
2: Uh, He didn't say, (laughs) so he didn't say on on what, uh, yes, uh, uh, reasons and uh, uh, what should be the rules or, uh, yes, uh, what should be the circumstances uh, of uh, this aid uh, to Ukraine.
0: Now, I found it interesting that Nikki Haley and Mike Pence, uh, arguably the two people on that stage with the most foreign policy experience, um, both support Ukraine as much as Joe Biden does, it seems.
2: Yes, it seems that uh, on this uh, issue, on the Ukraine issue, as we know, men uh, have the same view as Democrats, although inside the Republican Party, there is really this uh, division on uh, the story of, uh, uh, you know, uh, whether to help or to isolate, uh, as the experts say, from this uh, war and Russia's uh, aggression against uh, Ukraine.
0: Rafael Sakov is a news anchor and reporter with VOA's Russian service. We caught up with him in Milwaukee after the Republican presidential candidates debate. Rafael, thanks for your analysis. Thanks for your reporting today. Thank you, Steve. Following the debate, VOA caught up with former Vice President Mike Pence.
2: Yes, please, Uh, you were in Ukraine. Please say how important it is to continue helping Ukraine, and why do you think some of your opponents oppose this?
0: Well, you'd have to ask them about their positions, but but look, I believe America is the leader of the free world. We're the arsenal of democracy. I've I've been to Ukraine. I've, I've heard about the atrocities that have taken place there, at the hands of the Russian military, that have gunned down men, women, and children in the streets. But the reason America should be there, supporting the Ukrainian military, is because I have no doubt, if we were to let Putin overrun Ukraine, it would only be a matter of time before he crossed the border that we'd have to fight him. And I hold to the view that uh, if a country is willing to fight, the enemies of this country. Let's give them the means to fight them there so we don't have to fight them. What should the, be
4: what done? What about the nuclear risk?
0: What about the nuclear Go ahead. Risk of Ukraine? That's Mike Pence speaking to VOA recorded in Milwaukee following the first Republican presidential candidates debate. Following up on a story from our last show, the BRICS summit was still underway in Johannesburg, where more countries have been invited to join the bloc currently made up of Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa. Alice Rizzo of Reuters has that story.
5: In a move aimed at growing the bloc's clout, leaders of the BRICS group of developing nations have decided to invite six new countries to become members of the group. South African President Cyril Ramaphosa said on Thursday
3: We have decided
0: to invite the Argentine Republic, the Arab Republic of Egypt, the Federal Democratic Republic of Ethiopia, the Islamic Republic of Iran the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia and the United Arab Emirates to become full members of BRICS the membership will take effect from the 1st of January 2024
5: Expansion could also pave the way for dozens of interested countries to seek admission to BRICS, which is currently made up of Brazil, Russia, India, China and South Africa. On Thursday, Russian President Vladimir Putin told the BRICS summit that Moscow intends to deepen ties with African countries and that it would remain a reliable partner for food and fuel supplies. The debate over enlargement has topped the agenda at the three-day summit taking place in Johannesburg. And while all the BRICS members publicly expressed support for growing the bloc, there were divisions among leaders over how much and how quickly. Indian Prime Minister Narendra Modi said the bloc's expansion should be an example to other global institutions founded in the 20th century that have become outdated.
0: That's Alice Rizzo from Reuters reporting. And finally, today, Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky paid tribute to the sacrifices and courage of the Ukrainian people in an Independence Day video message released on Thursday. He congratulated the nation and said each individual is important in the fight for Ukraine's independence.
3: Today, we celebrate the 32nd anniversary of our independence, the independence of Ukraine. This is a value for each of us, and this is what we are fighting for, and everyone is important in this fight. Because this is a fight for something that is important to everyone an independent Ukraine. In a big war, there are no small deeds, no unnecessary ones, no unimportant ones. This is true of people, deeds, and
2: words.
0: He also highlighted the manufacturing of Ukrainian weaponry and praised those who cannot yet be mentioned in the news. And that'll do it for us today. Stay up to date with continuing coverage of Ukraine and news from around the world 24 hours a day. Visit us online at voanews.com and on social media, be sure to follow VOA News. On behalf of the entire Flashpoint Ukraine team, thanks for listening. Until next time, I'm Steve Carrish.
2: This is the voice of America, Washington, Bob Zip, D.C.